The following is a Poppy Chulo Radio original program. The views and opinions expressed in the commentaries and or interviews in the following program are solely those of the individuals and are not views of Poppy Chulo Radio, its parent, affiliate, or subsidiary companies. Welcome to the Smallville Gazette, a PoppyChuloRadio.com original series. Poppy Chulo Radio, celebrating a decade of podcasting excellence. Today is Wednesday, May 26th, 2021, and I'm your host, Jeffrey Aruz. During this podcast, we'll be having an in-depth discussion on the CW's Superman and Lois. Please welcome my co-hosts, Millie Wood. Hello, Smallville. And Professor X. Hello, Smallville. Let's jump into our discussion of Season 1, Episode 7, which was titled Man of Steel and aired May 25th, 2021. Here's the official synopsis of the episode. Clark struggles to help Jordan, who is grappling with a new power. Meanwhile, Lois enlists Clark's help, which leads to a surprise encounter to say the least. Okay, let's talk about this. We actually have a lot to discuss in this episode. It was jam-packed with a whole lot of whole lot of. But we're going to start off unconventionally. I want to talk about Lana. So, Lana in this in this episode, um, you know, speaking of uh, what was in the press release, Lois and Liz Clark's help, Lois and Liz Lana's help in this episode, Lana is incredibly proactive in wanting to help Lois uh, after everything Lois said at the end of last episode. Um, even though Lois is like, you know, this could be dangerous. You know, I'm going to need you to do this. I'm going to need you to do that. I'm going to have to look. I'm going to have. have to. I'm going to need you to have to look through like ledgers and emails and anything that sounds suspicious is suspicious. So you make a note of anything that sounds suspicious. And uh, Lois is worried, you know, are you sure you want to do this? You know, it could be dangerous, but Lana is down for the cause. So when Lana shows up for her first day of work, um, number one, she interrupts a suspicious conversation between Leslie and uh, Morgan, which she does know that Leslie Lar is a powered person. She even has a really nice line of like, how can you tell a powered person? And Lois is basically like, you can't really tell until they use their powers. Um, but um, the weight of uh, the secret, what I'll call it, the weight of the secret, the, you know, the fact that she is, uh, um, the fact that she knows a lot more about Morgan Edge and that she's investigating him, it is incredibly heavy on Lana in this episode when one of her friends, a woman by the name Emily, who is struggling financially, who has kids and uh, a husband and has been out of the workforce for a moment, arrives uh, and uh, applies for this leadership position uh, that... Um, that uh, Lana has been tasked by Edge to search for five candidates. Um, you can 
you can just see the weight of everything on Lana's face as Emily is, is like, you know, can you please put in a good word for me? By the end of the episode, Lana picks four candidates. She needs a fifth. Morgan starts talking about, oh, what about Kyle? And Lana does her best to dissuade him from choosing Kyle, basically saying he's the chief of the fire department. You know, we've got two kids. Uh, you know, he needs to be home while I'm in this job, yada, yada, yada. And at the end of the episode, we learned that Edge actually selected uh, Emily. And Emily goes and thanks, um, thanks Lana because she thinks that it was with Lana's help. But it wasn't. Um, yeah, so let's talk about this. Lana Lang in deep cover, basically, but the the amount of guilt that she has, uh, you know, because she's in deep cover. Uh, Millie, let's talk about this. What do you think of Lana Lang throughout the episode? In general, I thought, like, the storyline felt a little slow compared to everything else going on but I think it's setting it up for a very interesting part for Lana um and and as she goes deep undercover although as you mentioned if she's going to continue this she's got to get a little bit better at covering, covering up her guilt um I, I thought it was interesting the whole Emily thing and I'm wondering um if she's something special or is it just kind of a way for Edge to to show that he knows like he might be on to Lana or something like that um I kind of wanted Craig to be picked just to see um just so he has something and figure out you know how gullible and easily manipulated he is it would have been interesting for him to be the fifth person um but overall you mean Kyle her husband sorry I said that my (laughs) I think his name should be Craig yes oh no you're good no I just wanted to make sure because I was like did they introduce somebody named Craig I'm like because we had talked about how he's like your basic white male on a CW show, and for me, like, that person should be named Craig. Okay, there you <laughs> go. And they're going to be evil. So, um, I just still think, like, like Edge is going to leverage him in some way, and so I was surprised he wasn't the fifth person, but I could see that kind of evolving, especially as um, Lana has to oversee all this. I wonder if her guilt of, of knowing what's going on, if she's going to get in some sticky situations. So, it it dropped a lot of interesting nuggets. Uh, so down the line, things setting up for a lot, but it just felt a little slow overall in, in, in terms to everything else. Okay, that's interesting. Because uh, for me, it was a little bit the opposite. I was I, I really enjoyed this storyline. I don't know whose side the professor is on. Professor, what did you think of Lana throughout the episode? Well, I enjoyed the fact that, you know, they presented Lana as what she should be. I mean, she's a small town girl pushed into this situation by Lois Lane. You know, Lois has experience doing shit like this and and would never have, you know, uh, been, you know, I wouldn't say caught out, but would have been much more, you know, precise and, and carried it off much better. The fact that Lana didn't, you know, is exactly what we would expect of her, you know, being thrust into this situation. Uh, I'm glad they didn't have her, you know, do it any worse than she actually did. Uh, but the fact that, you know, she wasn't really able to, to hide those things, her obvious discomfort at the idea of using Kyle, uh, you know, as a test subject, because she knows what the test subjects are for. And you got that when she was talking with her friend as well, which, you know, raises the question of, you know, the other people from Smallville that she's throwing up there, uh, if she wasn't willing to sacrifice her friend to this, hmm, who are those people? 
you know, people that, uh, you know, looked at her funny in church, people who cut in front of her at the A&P. Who knows why uh, Lana is uh, is taking these people out? Uh, but I think, you know, I, I suspect that, you know, dropping that line in there, uh, I would not at all be surprised to see Kyle end up in the program in some way, uh, just because the idea of, you know, superpowered redneck uh, would seem uh, appropriate for the show. Um so yeah, I, I overall I liked the uh, the Lana storyline. I thought it was a good use for character. You know, the the slight bits of clumsiness, but giving that insider, uh, you know, that uh, that perspective that will be you know incredibly useful, valuable, and essential uh, for Lois and her investigation going forward. Yeah, one hundred percent. I loved how Emmanuel Shrieky played Lana in this episode. I thought she. She was thrust into this, and she acted accordingly. Um, yeah, I, I felt for her, and I felt bad for her as well. Um, but she's doing what needs to be done. Uh, yeah, I did wonder as well, Professor, about the, the people that she did select. I mean, she has to select people. It's her job, and if she wants to continue being undercover, spying on edge, she does have to end up selecting people. Uh, maybe she, le- she selected people that don't have family and that sort of thing. Uh, you know, maybe that's something that, that influences her. I don't know. We'll we'll see what happens, but um, it, it is. Uh, I also got a a slight sense from the way they played it that uh, Lana might have been, you know, working a little more slowly than absolutely necessary because there was the scene where you know uh, Edge comes in and and talks to her, and you know she still hadn't come up with that fifth person, which meant that you know the program wouldn't go forward. It was Edge stepping in and choosing uh, that person to be the fifth that pushed things forward. So I think, you know, and, and again, I know there's a slightly longer version of the episode uh, available, uh, you know, on CW online. Uh, and I'm wondering whether maybe that's one of the things that was in there, whether Lana was, you know, being a bit more, you know, blocking of it without being seen to blocking it. But that might be an explanation as to why she got four up there, but couldn't, come up with the fifth because she knows that once she does that it moves to the next stage so it might have been a very subtle sort of uh you know almost passive aggressive way of blocking the process yes yeah yeah i agree with that um yeah so i just i i found um this storyline i found all the storylines let's be real really incredibly captivating throughout this episode everything was really interesting it's chugging along at, at an well Millie said it's at a, at a slow pace, but it's chugging along at a, at a decent pace for me. Um, I, I liked how this developed throughout the episode, and I'm hella intrigued to see more of Lana undercover. Like, I don't want her cover to be blown. I, I don't think Edge is at all suspicious at the moment. So, um, yeah, we need uh, Lana to keep her job because we need to know exactly what's going down with Morgan Edge and uh, Leslie Lar. So hopping over to the teens, we start off the episode where we ended the previous episode with uh, Clark souping off with, um, with, uh, with uh, Jordan to the Fortress of Solitude. And we learn what the professor and I surmised, uh, although by the end of the episode we weren't quite sure, but it was what we guessed. And it's that Jordan's super hearing is coming in, and it's incredibly painful because he doesn't know how to focus on just one 
thing to listen to. So it's like everything is hitting him, and uh, it, it's incredibly painful for him. So throughout the episode, we see Jordan... Well, I should say, we after that, the first thing that Clark does is he tries to teach his son how to use his super hearing. You know, just focus on one sound, focus on one sound. Um... Let's just say Jordan can't focus on one sound, and it becomes incredibly painful, and he becomes a teen and is like, I'll just do it tomorrow. But uh, with you know parents and with Jonathan away, uh, he ends up trying, you know, he, he tries again and again and again, and uh, each time it's painful, but he finally is successful. But he's successful probably in the worst way because he he um, looks at a picture of Sarah and like focuses in on Sarah and Jonathan's conversation at the school, which leads to a very appropriate confrontra- confrontation between both of uh, the brothers at the house. Um, yeah, in, in which Jonathan starts screaming at him. Um, Jordan is suffering, and Jonathan ends up banging the damn wall for emphasis. You know, it's the kind of thing that siblings do. Uh, Right, Professor? Talk to me about everything uh, Jordan up to this point in the episode. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, you know, it was nice to get the payoff that it was, you know, nothing worse than just his hearing kicking in, which, you know, is what we thought uh, at the time. You know, it, it did seem that way up until the final scene of the previous episode, that this was just him unable to deal with the uh, the flood of sensory perceptions. Um, so it was nice to get that uh, that payoff there. Um, uh, I do question whether, you know, those earmuffs really would have been as effective as they seem to be uh, on the episode. But, hey, you know, uh, let's uh, let's cut them a tiny bit of slack. Uh, you know, I really like the scene. You didn't uh, mention it as much, but uh, Jonathan, uh, you know, at the school, you know, the way he was covering uh, for for Jordan, um, you know, it's, it's sort of the instinctive level of it. But, you know, actually telling a version of the truth uh, in order to get that across and then having that great line. Oh, and by the way, broke my hand. Thanks for noticing, which, you know, and again, you know, we've, we've talked about, you know, John. Being you know so overshadowed by Jordan in every way, his parents are obviously much more concerned about Jordan than they are about uh, Jonathan. Although there was that interesting line uh, that uh, that Lois had in the episode about John hasn't made any friends yet. We sort of saw that. You know, I mean, they've been at the school for long enough to get on the football team and you know get to know some people and everything like that. But you know, uh, John is still referred to as new guy uh, by that girl who is you know apparently out of his league. Um, so I did like that. It was such a CW trope that, you know, the moment that he would, you know, that Jordan would listen in on the conversation was the one time they said something that could be taken the wrong way. And of course, he's going to take it the wrong way because he is not only a teenager, he is on a CW show. So, of course, he's going to take it the wrong way. Uh, that leads to the confrontation. But, you know, the confrontation felt very real. You know, the the sort of confrontation you would have not just between two teenagers, but between two brothers. Um, so it, it didn't feel cheap. Uh, and, you know, I, I did like, again, one of the things I liked like about uh, I've said before about Superman and Lois is that while they are dealing with some of the CW tropes, they tend to deal with them in a very brisk way. If this was on, you know, Arrow, uh, you know, or or Flash, you know, a couple of years ago, this would have been something that would have dragged out over multiple episodes with the person not saying why they were feeling, you know, or trying to trick the other person into admitting what they'd said and, and all of that. And I, I like the fact that they're not doing that. Uh, in this case, because the relationship between the brothers, uh, you know, is great. And, you know, as we see throughout the episode, the relationship between 
between them is stronger than, uh, you know, the, these moments of doubt they might have. And like you, I just love the moment with John when, you know, all you can do is just smack the wall, uh, you know, just to, you know, lash out his brother in some small petty way. But uh, yeah, ex- exactly what you would do your siblings. Yeah, I don't have siblings, but that felt hella appropriate. Like, I just, I, I loved it. I loved it. Especially because I enjoyed Jonathan more than Jordan. Jordan can be incredibly petulant. Um, so that was a, a, a good little moment. Uh, Millie, I want to get your take on this as well, but I, I didn't bring up Jonathan into the mix because I, I wanted to ask a separate question about him. Um, so since the professor brought him up, uh, what did you think of John of it, Jonathan throughout the episode? Um, as the professor stated, we did get uh, a little bit of his feelings of you know, how he feels about uh, Smallville, the isolation that he has in school. Um, he does have a connection with Sarah. I, I don't think it's going to turn into a love triangle. At least that's in my heart. I'm putting that out there in the universe. I don't want to see that. But um, he did have a little flirtation situation with, uh, I guess it's the, the school hottie that's out of his league. So maybe there's that question mark. Um, we, we also, uh, based off of uh, when he was lashing out at Jordan, we see the weight of having to lie and cover for his brother, like how much that's how much there of a uh, weight that is, you know, we hadn't really gotten him to sort of verbally express that in the past. So talk to me about uh, both of the brothers, Millie. I, yeah, I really like Jonathan's um, like storyline. This one, I think it, it's been well done. like playing the seeds in the previous, previous episodes um, that he hasn't really adjusted well. And we're going to explore that more because he's used to being the popular kid. Um, and I didn't realize that he was like that, not unpopular, but I guess not that well assimilated uh, for that, especially if he was like on the football team. Um, it, it was interesting, and I wonder if that's going to be maybe we'll get his like teen angsty phase, or um, maybe he's just, you know, above all that, and I'll just take it in stride by like how we kind of get to see him lash out. And during that confrontation with Jordan, I was like, oh no, that's like so mean. <laughs> I'm also a sibling, but I also get it. Like he has had to sacrifice a lot. Um, not only moving, but, you know, always being supportive and never saying anything. So he gets his moment, and I like how they did it, and then they moved on. Um, he kind of got it out and got what he said, and, you know, it didn't hurt Jordan that much, so that's fine. Um, and then he kind of goes in that. I was – I thought that comment, and I wasn't sure if it was just to show that people still see him as the new kid or if it's, like, the potential new love interest, but it felt, like, a little out of left field where I'm wondering if they're trying to plant seeds and maybe that's going to be his storyline as well as, like, this – him chasing the quote unquote hottie of the school. Um, cause I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't want a love triangle and I don't, I think it would be weird with, with Sarah. Um, just because I feel like there's that weird thing with tag and Jordan. So we don't need to throw in Jonathan with that as well. That could just get real messy. And so hopefully they keep that separate. Uh, and, and I think that he just needs a friend and Sarah would be a good friend for that. And then Jordan, whatever they want to explore that way, um, uh, would be fine. I thought I agree with the professor was super cliche that the one time he's able to, or Jordan's able to like focus his powers is on the girl that he, I guess has a crush on or, you know, um, has befriended the most. And so I was like a little like, oh, of course, uh, but I guess it works. And I do like how in terms of him finding his powers, it wasn't immediate and we got to see him 
go, you know, <laughs> look very angry at the camera several times to show that, like, it's not natural as, as easy as Clark sometimes makes it look. So I like how we can see him struggle and even Clark struggling to teach him that. Like, there's a learning curve to everything. So I thought it was their storyline was nice. And I think something incredibly important about Jonathan's side of the storyline is the fact that we learn at the start of well at the start of um, the the school side of the storyline that Sarah really was questioning still about uh, Jordan and whether Tag was uh, right in his allegations and that sort of thing. And Jonathan really does his best to cover. And, and to try to um, make sense and to try to sort of bring um, realism to, like, come on, really? Like, you really think Jordan? I mean, clearly, Jordan has powers. But, like, that's what you tell someone. And, and she bought it. Like, it was palatable um, and uh, understandable. And it seems as if any type of hesitancy or qualms about the situation have been cooled by Jonathan. So props to Jonathan for, uh, yeah, for really um, calming things down with Sarah. Because I had thought that Jordan talked her down and, and that by the end of uh, their conversation, Jordan was convincing. He, I guess he wasn't. And and so Jonathan really did a good job, even though it was hella suspicious that, uh, that Jordan wasn't at school. But once again, uh, Jonathan covered it up, you know, with the fact that Tag attacked Jordan and, and that's why he isn't in school. So, um, yeah. So props to Jonathan. He was the MVP of uh, Jordan's life in that episode, even though uh, Jordan wasn't that appreciative at a certain point. So let's move over and let's talk about Lois and Clark and the stranger. We've got much to discuss. So uh, this storyline starts off with uh, Lois realizing Marcus isn't Marcus. He doesn't work for the Associated Press. And, uh, yeah, she, she has no idea who he is, but clearly he knows something because he has been right about everything Morgan Edge. So she ends up tracking him down to his RV and uh, he, she's like, we need to talk. I know you're not Marcus. I need to know who you are. Meet me at this restaurant so that you can explain who you are. There's a fantastic line where she's like, I'm not going to get into your creeper mobile. <laughs> and he's like, that's harsh or something. There, was, there were a couple of really great moments in this, um, in, in this conversation where Lois is hella heated. So, um, so yes, so, uh, their convo gets cut short though. Lois ends up, um, well, she ends up meeting him and, and their convo ends up getting cut short because Lois ends up getting a call from, um, from, oh gosh, uh, um, uh, Beppo, Chrissy, uh, about, uh, a, a shipment that Edge is doing. So they think that that could be the ex kryptonite um when lois is having a conversation with marcus who still isn't as forthcoming with information as she would like 
Clark investigates his RV and uh, learns uh, uh, via the AI there that his name is Captain Luther. Brum, brum, brum. Um, the stranger ends up uh, seeing that Clark had um, entered the RV. He sees a picture of him that was snapped, uh, or footage, I should say. And he's like, oh, that's just Lois's husband. We don't need to worry about him. Love that. And the, they, the three of them separately end up heading to uh, this armed convoy that has uh, this edge shipment. I should say, this whole thing was basically a ruse from Edge. Uh, Leslie Lar is like, let's, you know, let's do a small shipment and let's try to figure out who is, um, who's tailing us, who is involved with Lois. Let's see who shows up first. Uh, so, uh, um, Captain Luther ends up hijacking the truck, and Superman ends up removing some of the armed guards, and, uh, yeah, they end up acquiring the ex-Kryptonite from the truck. Uh, we have, um, Captain Luther, uh, Lois and Clark talking, and, uh, Lois is able to convince the captain to provide them with the ex-kryptonite in exchange for a meeting with Superman. And all this Leslie Lar is listening to, I should say. Okay, let's talk about this. Up to this point in the episode, uh, the uh, dynamic between Marcus, in air quotes, and uh, Lois, um, the whole Leslie Lar. Uh, situation uh, was it clever of Leslie to do this? Um, it isn't a fake shipment because it is actual ex kryptonite, but this small shipment of kryptonite to figure out who is telling them. Although, did she get? I mean, she ends up getting information that she uses later on in the episode, but I don't necessarily think she got surprising information. I mean, it was Lois and the mysterious man from the photo that that ended up um, hijacking the the shipment. Um, yeah. Uh, Millie, your take on everything up to this point. I actually thought it was really clever. I was like, good thinking, evil assistant. Um, well, yeah. I mean, that's what she gets paid the big bucks for, you know? Yeah. I'm, I mean, I guess if she has, you know, it's, it's good to know that she's more than just her superhuman Billy she was given. So I, I thought that was smart. Like, But like you said, it it was in the photo, but um, it made sense. And I kind of it gave a good reason to kind of put them on the hunt and obviously for them to, to work on that. What I did like about the storyline, and I know we talked about it um, last episode, is just the balance where I felt like Lois was kind of taking charge of this whole storyline. She was the one um, leading it, kind of telling Clark what to do. And so I like how they have that balance, and he's just kind of there when he's needed. Um, it's not really a Superman thing at this point. It's more the investigation part. And also props for her not getting into the Creeper Mobile, because so many times on CW shows, people go alone to questionable places with questionable people. So I'm glad Lois Lane is above that. And I think there was another time where she also um, didn't go into a um, 
a place because she was like, I don't know about this. Um, so I like how they show that she has some sense and that, you know, she's the top investigator for a reason. So overall, I really liked it and obviously sets up for a really interesting storyline. Um, and I think that's what made the the episode fun. It was a very high pace because you don't know if they're going to get caught. Um, and it's still that, that secret around who the stranger, quote unquote, is. So um, I really liked how well it was done. All right, and we're going to get into the secret well, right now. So uh, the meeting is set. Uh, this this Captain Luther is going to be uh, meeting Superman under the pretense that uh, he can help Supes stop Edge and his plan. Now, before everything happens, uh, we do get uh, our super team uh, doing a little bit of research on him. You know, does uh, Lex Luthor have a child out there, a sibling? This is out of the other. And uh, they couldn't find anything in regards to uh, this man being related to Lex Luthor. We get a whole bunch of flashbacks in this episode, and we're going to discuss them all right now. So we, we see the stranger's um, earth, and we see his life. He is living happily with his wife, Lois Lane, and uh, their daughter, Natalie. And uh, their, their blissful life is interrupted when... Uh, a um, dark Superman, villainous Superman, ends up uh, taking the city, uh, I guess, yeah, Metropolis, taking Metropolis under siege with a whole bunch of other super men, super women, other Kryptonians, let's call them that. And, uh, yeah, there's, there, they laser beam the city and all this kind of stuff. And, and we see that when Lois ends up covering, um, you know, the, the carnage that's going on in the city, she ends up being killed by Superman himself, uh, um, you know, right on camera, uh, as, uh, as the stranger and his daughter are watching, so, uh, as, after, I guess, maybe some time or something, or, you know, just the uh, Captain Luther ends up building a weapon that could take on Superman with his daughter. Uh, the weapon is the suit that we've seen him wear. Um, he, he has given his daughter the nickname Natbug, and so there's like a little bug on the suit. So she says that you, I, you can always, I'm always there with you when you're you know, out there, and uh, he learns that uh, he has to, uh, I guess the suit, because um, he works for Luther Corp, um, it uses Luther technology, and maybe the suit was being built for Lex Luthor, that's why the name says Captain Luthor, we don't know, uh, but uh, the, the last moment that we see is him um, separating from his daughter, saying that he needs to leave now, he needs to take the suit, and he's going to put an end to this now. Um, and, uh, yeah, that, that's where the flashbacks end. Uh, to move in a little bit, because uh, it's going to be hard to talk about those flashbacks, I think, without talking about this man's actual identity. Uh, Superman shows up at his workshop, and uh, he's quickly incapacitated by the red uh, uh, 
solar rays that um, he has equipped the lights around him. Um, and while uh, this stranger ends up revealing that he's a stranger, so, uh, you know, Superman's like, you're the stranger. Uh, he also reveals his real identity as well. Uh, they... Um, well, he reveals his identity, but they had also surmised, uh, based off of um, his image, that he is John Henry Irons, a man that's been dead for six years. Um, and for those out there that don't know, he he is, in the comics, uh, a character by the name of Steel, to which he says he is the real Man of Steel at a certain point in his fight with Superman. So... Let's pause right here. Superman is getting his ass kicked by the, by this man, but we'll stop right here. Professor, let's talk about the flashbacks, and let's talk about the reveal. So, uh, for many episodes, we've been talking about Captain Luther. Captain Luther, is this a Lex Luthor from an alternate world? Is this, uh, you know, a, a sibling of Lex Luthor from an alternate world or a child of Lex Luthor from an alternate world? Uh, we got the answer in this episode. He is not a Luthor period. He is a comic book character, a comic book character that in the comics has always been an ally of Superman. I, I believe I read that um, the character came into fruition and took on the Superman mantle when it was thought that Superman was dead in the comics or something like that. Um, but when Superman returned, as Superman usually does, uh, he ended up becoming um, you know, a strong ally for uh, Superman. What do you think of the reveal, Professor? Uh, what do you think of flashbacks and the reveal? Uh, boy, I, I thought it was really well done. I mean, the flashbacks filled in the backstory. We knew that he had a connection with Lois Lane, uh, you know, from his world in the past. Uh, so that wasn't a surprise. But to find out, you know, they had a daughter, uh, you know, to uh, to to get the backstory to and, you know, getting a sense of, you know, the time that had uh, gone on as he and his daughter were, were building this suit. Um, it was, you know, a great reveal that he's not a Luther, that he's actually John Henry Irons. You no. Know, and of course, you know, from the comics. And I think that opens up some interesting possibilities you know they're not obliged to follow you know comic book canon in any way but you know in the comics you know uh, uh you know steel is one of the good guys you know uh you know one of the best guys uh you know an absolute ally to superman you know an engineering genius uh you know someone who who built his own suit to uh you know help the world out uh, after superman disappeared uh and has been unreservedly an ally so I'm, I'm hoping you know much more than i would have hoped that it would be possible when we thought he was an alternate earth un, uh, luthor uh that that might be a possibility i did think that you know while it might seem that you know oh my god you know they, they pull a fast one on us you know there there were no hints you know looking back there were a couple of hints the only reason we called him luthor was because in that first episode the ai called him captain luthor uh, and then in this episode, uh, we had the AI not recognize that Clark wasn't Captain Luthor. So that should have been a hint. Now, expecting mm -hmm. us to remember what happened back in February is ridiculous. I mean, if I just watched all the episodes like last week, I'd probably feel pretty stupid for not having put that together. But obviously, that's not the case for any of us. Um, but I thought it was it was really, you know, cleverly done, you know, just dropping that little thing in there. Oh, the AI is corrupted. And then, of course, we got in the flashback, the fact that the the whole suit was being built for Luthor. But, you know, uh, John had to put it on himself because, you know, there wasn't 
enough time, and then presumably as a result of, of crisis, uh, he ended up on this earth trying to prevent what happened on his earth from here. So I really, I love that reveal. Uh, I like the flashbacks. I really, oh my God, I would love to have more with uh, with his daughter. I thought she was really, really interesting. Uh, you know, obviously a technical genius, but, you know, the tenderness uh, between the two of them, I thought was great. You know, the fact that, you know, he not only, you know, lost his world, lost his wife to Superman, the fact that, you know, is his daughter still somehow on this world? Probably not because, you know, she was the offspring of him and, and, uh, and Lois Lane. So that seems unlikely in this world, but um, I, I just, I, I found it you know really great, you know, just sort of showing us the backstory, you know, letting us, giving us that sense of, of, you know, why he has this, uh, this rage on for Superman, which we had got a sense of before, but now we're getting the sense of it. It's, it's that he's not Luthor who is doing this. He is an average guy you know, an engineering genius who's capable of building, you know, an Iron Man level suit of armor. Uh, but, you know, uh, an ordinary guy with a daughter who's lost his wife to Superman. Uh, so we get a lot more understanding uh, of his motivation. So I thought both the reveal and the flashbacks worked really, really well together. Well, I will say, how dare you throw shade at Millie Wood? Uh, but uh... what? was I throwing shade at someone? Oh, I, I have no idea what you're talking about. I know those Canadians are bitter. Um, but Millie, I do want to get your take on this as well. I think the opposite, though, and I don't know if Millie agrees. I think 100% we will be seeing Natalie. Um, this is a CW show, and the drama of bringing Natalie in, you know, with an alternate world's Lois Lane. I mean, come on. I mean, it'll be, I think it would be drama and emotional in the beginning. But I do think uh, what I said before, and this was before we knew he was Steel, I, I still thought he was going to be an ally at the end of it. Um, you know, now it's it's a little different. I mean, I think he will be an ally just because of the comic book counterpart. I mean, the twist already that he was kind of villainous, villainous in the eyes of... Um, Clark and Lois, just because he's doing things against them, but not villainous in my eyes. Like, I always thought, you know, there was like a tragedy that was leading him down this path, uh, something that happened on his earth that he wants to stop on, um, on, let's say ours, but I guess it is ours, um, on our earth. And, uh, and that was going to lead to his redemption later on. Now, you know, basically all the dominoes are falling in that direction. Anyway, it's just that he's, um, his character is uh, a hero in the comics. Now, the change, I will say, I do love that it's comic book accurate as far as, you know, comic book character. Would it have been kind of cool, you know, a black Luther that ends up becoming a hero, you know, a, a an actual Lex Luthor being an ally to uh, Superman and that sort of thing. That could have been really interesting to have seen. Um, that's not the direction that they wanted to go, which I completely understand and respect. Um, I'm down for the journey that we will be going on. But there's a part of me that's like, hmm, the what if of, of seeing that storyline play out um maybe one of the things that they're trying to do is not to have many luthers on the show who knows if after supergirl ends they might want to bring over john crier 
as Lex Luthor, clearly tonally they would have to tone him down. But we we know that John Cryer can do drama and 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 that type of Luther as well. So um, maybe they could bring him over. Um, if not, they could do the Morgan Edge route and recast him. Stay tuned. We'll see what happens in, when it comes to that. But um, I, I really enjoyed Will A. Parks's uh, performance. Like I, I thought the flashbacks uh, created a really sympathetic character. And uh, whatever they were going to reveal in this episode, whether it was that he was a Luther or you know what they ended up revealing, I think was was going to paint him in inc- in an incredibly sympathetic light based off of the flashbacks. Uh, Millie, I want to get your take on the flashbacks, your take on the reveal, and do you think Natalie is out there somewhere? You know, she's a brilliant young person. You're a brilliant young person. Do you feel like, you know, someone uh, that could be your friend would be out there being brilliant in uh, maybe a, a spaceship or something that she created that somehow survived like her father did? Oh, for sure. Um, I think you're right. Like, it would be just prime CW drama. It just already the the drama that's going to be there, you know, when the reveal goes to Lois and how that's going to be processing, put her on top. Like, you could definitely milk that for quite a bit of time. Mm-hmm. And I... And I think, uh, and I think, just to interrupt really quick, and and I think we have to remember that at the end of the day, Superman and Lois is a family drama that just happens to have super people in it and super heroics, and bringing in, uh, bringing in Natalie would create this extended, larger family for the Kents. Because if at the end of this, you know, by the end of the season, if um, if uh, Steel ends up being brought over to the side of the heroes, if he realizes that his rage is something that happened in the past and it's not something in his present or something in the future, this is a different Earth, you know, not everything is going to happen the same. And and he becomes uh, an ally to Superman just to stop Edge or something like that. You know, they could... And, and they learn about the familial connection and all this kind of stuff from the other Earth. I could see the, the Kents having this larger extended family with Natalie and uh, with John. Um, it, it will be weird in the beginning, as you're saying, um, Millie. But that's the type of drama that we want to see on the CW. The weirdness in the beginning. Yes, I think they could easily, like, and these writers have proved to be, like, I think very apt at the storytelling because it could easily get really messy and not really where you want to go down. But if done correctly, it would be some nice drama, some nice family drama, um, and it would be interesting to see how they kind of mesh that together. And on the note that you mentioned, I do see, because we thought he was, like, Captain Luther, right? So he's going to be Evercle, as we know, Lex. And I like how they kind of diverted and went a different way. Um, and now that we know kind of where he why he has all this resentment towards Superman. Um, I can so see them, them becoming allies at the end. Once they understand like that was the past and that was a different Superman. This is the new one. Um, you know, besides the whole Lois Lane commonality in terms of just who Superman is, I can see him buying into what they're trying to do on this earth. And then he becomes the, an ally, especially because really the big bad is not him. We think about his edge. And so I, I could see them all kind of teaming up at the end. And hopefully, because I really agree with you, um, his 
performance was so good. It'll be interesting to see if he can come back. It's a little bit like from our fellow uh, other shows, like on Batwoman. You have one character. I think that's really good. And hopefully it's not a one season kind of appearance and they can keep re- reoccurring because I like what he's done. I think he has a lot of interesting back story that we can further explore in him just as a character um, is great. I'm, I'm liking the actor's performance. So it's, and then the way he just kind of did everything in, t- in terms of the flashbacks and, and just the way that they've transitioned, you could see he was like really struggling with something. And um, I think the way everything was beautifully shot and interwoven between the front and the, uh, the flashbacks and the, and the present time and, and how everyone interspliced, we see at the right time. Um, but not exactly. We don't know what the reveal was. Uh, even those that watched it <laughs> just last week <laughs> was also caught off surprise. So that was all really done and nicely packaged and it was definitely catapulting to something. And I think in terms of, um, I know, you know, shout out to David Ramsey, who was the director. I loved the sequence of watching him and his daughter um, work together. Like just those pans and everything it was such a very high level quality production shot. And I was like, this is really nice. It kind of took you out of it being a CW show. So that even added to the overall, I think, storytelling and quality of the story that made it even more enjoyable. Um, and then we got the whole kind of reveal and everything. I, I did laugh at the uh, hammer and, and uh, or his tools and explanations. If they felt they looked a little familiar. So, <laughs> uh, it's it is comic book accurate, though, for oh, the character. It? OK, it wasn't <laughs> Thorish or anything. Which, I mean, let's be real, all the comics, it, they seem to borrow from each other. I mean, you know, Marvel has a devilish character, DC has a devilish character. I mean, it's it's kind of difficult when it comes to character traits and that sort of thing. Because, yeah, there's only so many superpower weapons you can wield around. Exactly. But, yes. Yeah. I, I want to co-sign your props. I hadn't mentioned it yet. I was going to mention it a little bit later. But, yes, David Ramsey, uh, famed Arrowverse star, uh, you know, one of the OGs from Arrow, which is the series that uh, basically birthed the Arrowverse the, with the CW-verse, the Berlanti-verse, whatever the hell it's called now. But David Ramsey ended up directing this episode, and he did a fantastic job. And I also want to give props to Jay Jameson, who wrote the episode. I, I thought he did a fantastic job writing the episode as well. It's just an incredibly well-done episode. Um, yes, and, and I liked the hammer. I know that you're kind of... Um, <laughs> teasing it, uh, Millie, but I thought the hammer was really, really cool. I mean, it just shows how genius the man is in creating something that can uh, really take on Superman. So, continuing on where we left off, Superman is getting his ass kicked by um, by Steel uh, with the, the hammer and everything, and uh, he comes close to, uh, to killing Superman. Uh, we have Lois that's rushing to um, to Superman, and Jordan ends up overhearing uh, the confrontation with the superhearing, and he's able to focus. And uh, Jonathan and Jordan uh, end up stealing uh, one of the cars, uh, even though Jonathan doesn't know how to drive, and he does not have his learner's permit. Uh, but they end up driving and, and using Jordan's abilities to thwart steal they they literally um crash right into him and they save superman and turn off the lights and all that kind of stuff uh, the lights actually look like they affected um 
Jordan a little bit. Um, it, it, it looked like it. Um, and uh, yes, so so they're able to save him. At at the end of it all, um, we have uh, the stranger in a cell at the DOD. We learn that uh, no one is to talk to him until uh, General Lane arrives the next day, and Superman wants to be like one of the first people to start questioning him. Um, to clean things up over on the Kent side of the storyline, uh, Jonathan Jordan end up making up, and uh, Lois and Clark end up deciding that they should fill their kids in on what's been going down, as far as The Stranger, Morgan Edge, and everything. Interestingly enough, like right before they um, they go up to share all this information with them, uh, like Jonathan and Jordan end up sort of lamenting, like, "Oh, remember when we were like moving here and it was supposed to be normal and boring?" So things are going to get a little bit spicier because they have a lot of questions to ask, and uh, Lois is basically like, "You can't tell anybody what we talk about right now." So, let's talk about this. The the end of the episode, how things end, where do we go from here? Um, they, they do bring up the multiverse at a certain point in the episode. Uh, they being Lois and Clark. So, they, they do understand the idea of the multiverse. I'm a little confused because, like, the rest of the Arrowverse doesn't really see the multiverse as existing anymore. So I wonder if they bring in that lore into Superman and Lois. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, I'll just open it up to both of you. I don't know if anyone has just any anything to comment on, uh, like, how the episode ended and where we go from here. I uh, love the fact that the uh, the twins got to save the day, um, specifically Jonathan. Jonathan got the win. Um uh, and again, you know, the dynamic between the two of them, because it started out with, you know, you know, the tension between them, but then, you know, dad's in danger. So they, they're working together, you know, them, you know, just the way it was cut together and again, uh, kudos to David Ramsey for the editing of this, uh, or for the direction, uh, of this episode, you know, when they're, they're, you know, uh, racing into, to smash into irons when they're driving the truck and, you know, he just, you know, cuts back to them, you know, screaming as they're about to hit him. Oh, it was, it was great. And then, you know, the scene where they're, you know, uh, later talking about it. Yeah. At the end, you know, they're, they're bouncing up and down, you know, like a couple of teenagers would after doing that. Uh, you know, it was great. Uh, so I, I like the resolution of it, you know, you know, you, you know, you had Clark being put in danger, uh, but, you know, being saved by his kids, you know, being saved by the family. Uh, and, and uh, I, I think that was, you know, and it, it really, you know, was a good reason to set up the idea of, you know, why you can't afford to have the secrets, why, you know, they have to be brought in. Uh, you know, um, you know, they've only known their dad as Superman for, what, a couple of months in Showtime. So, you know, this is, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's going to be uh, unloaded on them. But I think it's 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 good that they know that. Uh, and, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see what uh, impact that has on them. Absolutely. The one thing that I didn't mention that uh, I thought was really interesting was when Superman, you know, regained um, regained his power and his strength, there was a moment where he, you know, crept very close to the stranger and it looked like he was going to beat the living shit out of him. And he was talked down by Lois. She was like, enough, enough, you know. 
And she was basically like, you don't need to go there. And, um, yeah, so that was interesting. It was an interesting choice because it did feed into a little bit um, uh, Irons' fears of this Superman breaking bad and destroying this Earth. So that was that was interesting. And the way that it was filmed from his point of view, you know, you could see how scary Superman can be. But then when we, you know, when, when, um, Lois, you know, is like, Hey, uh, we see what, you know, Superman actually looks like. I was like, that was a brilliant choice from David Ramsey as well. Um, seeing it from, from, um, the stranger's point of view and then seeing it from sort of like our point of view of what Superman is. That was really, that that was nice. Um, it's also mm-hmm. a nice callback to last episode where we learned that Superman's real power is his restraint. The fact that he has to keep himself in check all the time. You know, and we saw that in the last episode, you know, where he uh, he got shot with kryptonite bullets and had that brief moment where, you know, he'd been hurt. He was angry and you could see it in his eyes. Here you saw the same thing. He was hurt. He was angry. It was in his eyes. Um, you know, this is sort of, you know, headcanon or, or you know, uh, metacriticism. But maybe the reason why our Superman would never go bad is because he has Lois and the kids. Uh, you know, to keep him grounded, to prevent him from ever going down that road that, you know, um, the uh, the Kal-El from uh, I still want to call him Luther from uh, Steele's uh, home Earth never had. Potentially. I also want to add in the Kents, because I think Martha, like the way that she raised him as well, I think Martha, like what Martha has instilled in him, that also, you know, maybe is a reason why Superman didn't break bad. Like we'll have to get some more information on uh, the Superman from uh, Steel's Earth, uh, but maybe he also didn't have the the whole the entire family dynamic. You know his upbringing as well as Lois and the kids. Uh, another interesting line from the episode was um, when uh, he was making the deal to meet Superman, and uh, he asked Lois, "Do you trust him?" And she said, "With my life." And he goes, I hope you'd said that you, you would have said that. Uh, after seeing what Superman did on his Earth, I do wonder if there wasn't a relationship there, like a, like a friendship between Lois as the reporter and Superman as the superhero. Like, I wonder if there wasn't a kinship there. Um, because clearly, I, I, like... I don't know if the Lois from his Earth, his wife, would have trusted Superman with his life. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder if there's some interesting parallel to that line that we might learn later on. We'll see. Was there anything that I missed? Teeny tiny little moment? Anything that either of you want to discuss before we head into the MVP? Just a couple of things for me. One was, uh, you know, where Superman, or where Clark jumps out of the uh, the moving truck, changes Superman, and you know just whooshes past, grabs the uh, the uh, the van, and you know drops it off on a mesa. Uh, it, again, just you know that sort of you know again we're sort of getting the sense of you know Superman often is holding back, but you know when he is using his powers, you know he just flies them off to a desert location, you know puts them on top of a mesa where you know they're not gonna they can't hurt anyone, they're just safely out of the way, and then immediately flies back. I liked that, and I also wonder whether there's a little sub plot going on uh between um 
with uh, with uh, Leslie Lahr. Uh, you know, you mentioned her, you know, using her super hearing to be monitoring them as they were doing that. They, you know, they know that uh, Leslie has the powers and everything like that. Uh, but Morgan still treats her like shit. Like he's still the uh, the asshole CEO mm-hmm. uh, treating her like she's a nobody. And she has all this power. Uh, I'm wondering whether, you know, they need, you know, repeated, you know, whether she needs repeated exposure to the x night, you know, that these powers aren't permanent, that, you know, so maybe that's a hold that he has over her. But I did get the feeling that the way the act was playing it was, um, you know, a person who has, uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say reluctance, but someone who's not necessarily all in for edge as much as she might be. I, I don't think it's a good idea to go pissing off your superpowered subordinates. Mm-hmm. Yes, I do agree with you on that. Their dynamic is interesting. Uh, I wonder if we will get uh, more like exploration into that power dynamic. Um, clearly, Edge, I think the way Edge treats her is just the way Edge is to everybody. But uh, she is an asset. You know, she's the only one. As um, we learned in this episode, you know, a lot of eggs have cracked. Um, and she's the only one that's really been able to acclimate to the powers and survive and uh, to uh, really master them. So, um, yeah, stay tuned when it comes to Leslie Lar and uh, what's going down with Edge. So now it's time for the MVP, the most valuable player. State which character impressed you throughout the episode and why. Once a character has been chosen, they cannot be selected again. So choose wisely. Millie, who's your MVP and why? Um, I'll have to give my MVP to the Man of Steel. Uh, I, Captain Luther, the Stranger, whatever name he wanted to go by this episode. Um, I just thought it was such a good, it was truly his episode. We got his backstory, which is really sad. And um, I think the actor, I, I really can't pronounce his first name, uh, but <laughs> I think he played it so well. Um, and just like very, just a small bit, just dropping the hints. Um, carrying kind of the weight of the world in his shoulder, and you can clearly see that, but it wasn't overplay, which could easily have been done. Um, and it really makes you feel for him, and I'm excited to see where we go um, for his character arc and how that's going to play out. I think there's a lot of potential. They bring in his daughter, a lot of drama, and then the reveal of Lois will be a lot of fun drama as well. So it's really exciting. I thought it was a great twist. Um, I think it really sets up uh, the back half of the season uh, for the storyline, kind of where we're going. And then, of course, um, we said it before, but then my side MVP is also to David Ramsey. I think the direction was that was also really good. And you can clearly tell, like, I think he let him go at it and how they wanted to introduce the character and his backstory. And I think that it all kind of worked together. And it was just a great performance overall. I like it. And I will even allow your side MVP. Um, some moderators might not allow that. But, uh, yeah, I think it's warranted. Um, yes, I feel like he's our side MVP in general. Uh, Professor, your MVP and why? My God, going to Millie for MVP pick first twice and then giving her a second pick, which might have been my pick. You, my God, moderation on this podcast has gone to hell. Um, I'm picking Lois Lane. Uh, You know, Bitsy Tulloch, you know, she's been a a delight ever since we first met her. Uh, She is easily uh, in my top three of Lois Lane's right now, possibly as high as number one, although there could be some recency bias. And also, you know, Margot Kidder was, you know, you know, she's still a special place in my heart, but she's just playing everything that Lois should be smart, 
confident, ballsy, the way she takes no guff from anyone, but still has the concerns over her family and over uh, her husband. Uh, she's playing Lois at every level, you know, the uh, the brilliant ball-busting reporter and, you know, the, uh, the person who's really concerned about her family. I think she's just doing a fantastic job. Great choices from both of you. Um, my top choice was Millie's, but I did have a really good backup one, and, and my backup choice is Lana. I loved her storyline in this episode. Uh, Millie kind of was like, eh. But uh, uh, Emmanuel Shriki was fantastic in this episode. I loved seeing her undercover. I loved seeing how torturous it was because, as the professor said, she, you know, she's just a normal person. Like she, she does not go in deep cover for like stories like Lois does or like Clark does um, as Superman and that sort of thing. So seeing her have to do that and seeing her have to make the tough decisions. And seeing her try to stall whatever's going down with um, Morgan Edge was just really great to see. I, I'm enjoying her interpretation of Lana Lang. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm down for more of this. I'm, hell, I'm, I'm loving it. And I'm also loving the friendship. The kinship between her and Lois is really good. I, I love seeing that. Um, so now it's time to rate the episode. How would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 red capes? The point system is allowed, and if you found the episode exceptional, deserving of more than a 10, you may archive the episode in the Fortress of Solitude. Yes, uh, we can all visit the fortress without our, uh, you know, our ears exploding like Jordan. <laughs> Professor, how would you rate this? I really liked this episode. Uh, I thought it was I thought the reveal was great. The flashbacks were great. David Ramsey did a fantastic job directing. Uh, all of the acting uh, was solid. Um, just a fantastic episode. Maybe not quite a 10, but. I'm going to go, I'll give it a 9.5. I really thought this was a, a great episode. And, you know, just in terms of advancing both the plots forward. Starting off strong with a 9.5 from the professor. Millie Wood, what about you? Besides the small quibble with the Lana storyline, it was a really enjoyable episode for me as well. Definitely rewatchable. Um, I think that my feelings kind of watching all of the first uh, six episodes it felt a little slow and I feel like it was all leading up to this and the payoff was really good and super exciting everything fit together um, even like the back episodes kind of all playing into this the whole storylines it all went well Ari talked about how great like the direction was the writing was really strong um, it was super enjoyable so I'll give it 9.3 red tapes very nice and I'm bumping it up all the way. I'm archiving it. I, I really enjoyed this episode. I thought everyone did a fantastic job. The writing was excellent. David Ramsey, kudos to you. I can't wait to see what you do on the one or two other CW-verse shows that uh, you will be directing uh, at some point. In the, in, well, you've already directed, but that we will be seeing in the, in the um, upcoming weeks. Because, man, this was stellar. Uh, yeah, the, the the reveals were awesome. The ending was really good because it leaves the door open and, and, and we're going to be walking through a, a very interesting um, new storyline that I can't wait to see. I, I wasn't sure if we were going to get all the information that we got or as much information that we got this soon, but uh, I'm glad that we did because it certainly does... Uh, it will be leading us into a very interesting direction, and I can't wait to see it. So uh, an archive from me. 
On that note, join us next time for a brand new installment of the Smallville Gazette. Here's our announcer to remind you on how you can interact with us. Follow Poppy Chula Radio on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at Poppy Chula Radio. Do you have any questions, suggestions, comments, or concerns? Email us via contact at poppychularadio.com. Are you interested in joining the Poppy Chula Radio team as an on-air personality? Email talent at poppychularadio.com. Binge listen to your favorite Poppy Chula Radio programs by visiting poppychularadio.com slash archives. You can also download tonight's broadcast and the rest of the series through Apple Podcasts and Google Play. Just search for The Smallville Gazette and subscribe. Thanks, announcer. My co-host, please wish the listeners a good night, starting off with Millie Wood. Good night, listeners. If you want to follow along with me, I'm on Twitter as at the Asian Nerd. And the professor. Good night, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. Download new episodes of the Smallville Gazette every Thursday via Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and the Poppy Chula Radio Archives. Good night. Mm-hmm.